G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 10 Review, almost halfway through the season now. Uh, interesting weekend as, uh, oh, well, firstly, I introduce our wonderful sponsors, Palmerbet, uh, great supporters of our program. Now you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. And as I bring in my co-host, Robert Shaw, weekend of contrast, Shorey, some of the top teams uh, looking as potent as ever, but uh, a couple stumbling. Well, there's no doubt about that. Um, Hawthorne had a great win down in Tasmania against Brisbane. That's a... Uh, that's a hiccup, a stumble, call it what you like about Brisbane. So, uh, and of course, uh, an absolute ripping performance by Collingwood against the, what, third or fourth place side? Probably the third at one stage. They were second and the Pies have uh, basically ditched them on their home ground by uh, around about 40 points. Magnificent performance. Two, uh, no doubt, two upsets on uh, on the Sunday, um, for those of us who were able to keep uh, an eye on proceedings, uh, some of us a little bit um, shabby, it's fair to say, after the events of Saturday night and another contest uh, in which one side uh, started strongly and the other side, uh, the favourite, it's fair to say, came home with a bit of a Russian. Would you call that the St Kilda Adelaide game? Or are the is the Morrison-led government... A little bit better than the uh, uh, the the Adelaide team. Oh, I don't think they're that good, Robert. But I think uh, people. <laughs> I'm not uh, starting you on that. No, no, I... people familiar with my political leanings, but uh, fair to say, yes, I'm uh, quietly pleased with proceedings on that little. Score. And the other thing, Ron, there yeah. was a couple of regulations where, with the greatest respect to the competitiveness of um, uh, North Melbourne and Essendon. Uh, on the old gear shift, uh, I don't think there's a couple of sides that got past third gear. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a very fair comment uh, on the uh, available evidence. All right, plenty to get through. Nine games to review in detail. Let's do it. On Footyology, wrap around. Round 10 kicked off on Friday evening at Marvel Stadium with a uh, potentially pulsating clash between Carlton and Sydney. And this was a really good game of footy. In the end, won by the Blues, impressively, by 15 points. The final scores, Carlton, 15-12, 102, defeating Sydney, 13-9-87. The goal kickers, six to that man, Charlie Curnow. No Harry Mackay this week, but Curnow yeah. stepped up and filled the breach. Two to Durden. Two to Fisher, singles the rest for the Swans. 
Three to Logan McDonald. Pretty impressive young key forward he is. Three to Papley. Two to Franklin. Two to Haywood. Well, the Blues really made a break, Rob, with a uh, fantastic second quarter burst in which they slammed on eight goals to the Swans four. Uh, their lead uh, up to about 38 points, I think, uh, just on halftime or at halftime. But the Swans came charging back five goals to two in the third quarter. Had their chances in the last two, but credit where it's due. Carlton defended really strongly this time. They have been a bit prone to allowing sides back into the contest, but they held their nerve and in the end got a deserved 15-point win. How did you see this one? Very good discussion point. Do they allow them back in the contest? There has been some criticism of Carlton of that. I prefer that the opposition's pretty good. And mm. we know they were going to come, Sydney. Yeah. But what I liked about this was um, they don't seem to miss a beat when they lose these players. Like Jones in the preseason, they've lost their other two fullbacks in McGovern and McDonald, and yeah. they're always the hardest ones to find. Uh, one, of the, one of their back flankers, Williams, is gone for 12 weeks. Their first ruck and the leading goal kicker in the competition. Mate, and, it didn't, and that's a sign of a good team. Kerno stood up and didn't Silvani play a great job as a sort of a, oh, what do you call it? He was a true centre-half forward, but he had a role to play, which was to allow Kerno, like if Mackay was there, Rowan, mm. Mackay's in the goal square, Kerno's up the field. So they've just put Kerno back to Mackay's position and Silvani slotted into centre-half forward and did an excellent job. Look, Sydney certainly did have their chances. They got within, I think it was eight points uh, about midway through the last quarter. Um, started to get some drive out of the middle. I'll tell you what, though, I've mentioned this a bit this season, but I want to give a bit of a shout-out to uh, two young and still pretty unheralded Carlton small forwards in Durden and Owies. I think they've been really important, and I think even more important in this game than other games this season, particularly with Mackay out for the Blues, they needed to keep that ball, they keep the pressure on, try to lock the ball inside that 50, get repeat entries. And I think the, the pressure that Durden and Owies uh, applied, and Motlop's another one, he can really help in this uh, measurement as well. It was one really... More. You're, you're missing one more. Keep going. Uh, you're on a roll. Uh, it's not You've coming got... to me. I've got a lot going through my head. Who are you talking about? Fisher. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, we're talking about Richmond 2017 levels of pressure here, but I thought... Yeah, we know, are. Durden, Durden kicked two, had 12 disposals. Owies uh, had an impact with his, his defensive acts. Um, yeah, Motlop, Fisher. Yeah, look, it's um, it's a bit of a mosquito fight. And when they're operating at the feet of a guy as good as a key target, as good as Kerno and Mackay, when he's there, gee, it's a pretty exciting forward setup they've got, isn't it? It's not quite as good as Ashman, Harms, and um, Sheldon. And Marcou. Uh, and Marcou. Uh, well, there you go. And um, Armstrong. And Keo. Yeah, okay. Go, okay. Go, come on. But um, no, I love Durden. I really like him. I had to go back and check his background, where he came from. Uh, Central District, South Australia, great pickup. Um, but yeah, it's, teams, 
It, it follows trends, you know, a five-goal burst in the second quarter. It happens a lot in the game now, Ron. Uh, well, you know, you look at uh, Richmond, what they did. Uh, Hewitt facing his old club, probably, oh, look, one of the recruits of the year. I was going to say the recruit of the year. Um, very workmanlike. Carlton have improved their skill, improved their defence. Um, Weedering versus Franklin was a highlight. And, of course, McDonald kicked three and Papley kicked three. The Swans kept coming, but uh, led by Sam Walsh with the... Uh, 34 possessions, four clearances, and he just kept working and working and working. Um, it proves they're a good side, I think, because to me, the Swans didn't lose any friends, but got beaten by a side that's, what, third or fourth on the ladder. And um, you've got to take your hat off to them because they've got some significantly important players out of their side, right? Yeah, no, it's a really good point about their depth. Uh, gee, it's it's improved markedly too. I mean, we were talking even last year, you know, that if Cripps was playing injured or if Walsh was out or whatever, oh, the whole thing collapsed. But um, you know, they, they've missed mid, you know, key midfielders, not only key midfielders at times this year, but um, a lot of their defence. That's that, you know, it's good pointing that out, and at the other end as well. So. Um, the depth has really improved substantially. And I think from just a psychological perspective, really important that they did hang on and end up with a, a win that they thoroughly deserved in this one. And I, I think they'll get a lot of benefit from just holding back the tide too. And, and <clears throat> you know, make no mistake, Sydney had their chances at 18 inside 50s for the fourth quarter alone, um, but only kick one five, you know, so they kick a couple more of them and... Um, it's oh, bad. yeah, the game could have gone either way, but yeah. um, the deserving side won, and now we get to see the uh, the replay of the 1970 grand final uh, next week. Uh, Carlton playing, Colin, you're getting ahead of me again. I've got to uh, call up the draw before I can <laughs> oh, establish that. I'm just plucking things out of no, the No, but it's, it's, a Is good, it? it's a good pluck because, yes, they do play each other. At the uh, Melbourne, at the cricket ground? Well, they weren't, Carlton Collingwood weren't going to play each other at uh, Docklands, were they? Um, I hope not. 3.20 p.m. Sunday afternoon, Collingwood oh, taking yeah. on Carlton. And uh, the other half of that Friday night game, Sydney, they are on the Friday night lights again uh, in what should be another pulsating game. Uh, against Richmond, 7.50pm at the SCG. And, uh, well, they're struggling, the Swannies. That is uh, three losses now out of their last four games. Um, and they take on Richmond, who have now won four on end. So the form line's a bit uh, different there. Richmond coming hard and Sydney just getting the staggers a bit. So uh, big game for the Swans next Friday night. That was Friday night footy. Let's turn our attention to a very busy Saturday. The first game on Saturday afternoon was down at the Cattery GMHBA Stadium, Geelong taking on Port Adelaide. And uh, strange times for the Cats. They have actually lost three of their last five appearances at Cadinia Park before this game. Unusual territory and playing Port Adelaide side that had hauled itself back into contention this season. What was going to happen? Well, in the end, a pretty comfortable um, and convincing 
win by the Cats by 35 points. I think, yes, 35 points. 11-16-82, defeating Port Adelaide 7-5-47. The goal kickers, three to Tyson Stengel. He keeps bobbing up with the goals. He's done a great job for the Cats. Three to Cameron, two to Hawkins, singles the rest. For Port, just four goal kickers, three each of two, as Peter Landy would say, two to Farrell, two to Marshall, two to Gray, Finlayson, the other. Well, the Cats uh, ahead by quarter time, 3-6, probably should have been leading by a bit more. Port having the better of the second quarter, um, and indeed it was they who led by a point at halftime. But the Cats really taking control of that third quarter in which they added 5-3 to Port Adelaide's solitary goal for a handy lead come the last change and then just able to maintain that advantage, keeping the power to a single goal in the last quarter while they kicked two. So seven goals to two after halftime, uh, Geelong closing out this game. Well, a couple of late changes they had to cope with too. Reese Stanley, Quinton Narkel, both uh, replaced late by Francis Evans and Cooper Stevens. Paddy Dangerfield off late in the game. We think he's okay. So the Cats improving their record to 6-4 and uh, been up and down this year. The Cats, proof of it, their win-loss record now, which is win-loss, 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 win across the past seven games. Uh, Port slipped to four and six, and because of that horrendous start to the season, they're going to have to struggle to uh, stay in contention. But um, pretty typical Geelong win. Hard fought, a bit dour at times, uh, but got the job done in the end. What would you make of this one? Well, this is one of my inkling games, Rowan. I had an inkling that Port would win, that the Suns would win, and that Adelaide will win. And how that all turned out for you? Well, on face value, it didn't turn out that great. But I did get a run for my money in a couple of the games, didn't I? Um, Geelong, really good. As you said, the second half, uh, won it by six goals. They they kicked seven goals, 850 um, from 27 inside 50s, where um, this is where the game was won and lost quite obviously because... um, uh, Port had 21 inside 50s and only kicked two goals too. So it was good that uh, the Geelong backline stood up really well. Um, in the third quarter, it was a territory domination, as you alluded to. 17 to 5 inside 50s in the third. And Port also lost the contested footy count, 120 to 150. So um, I'm going with a really good performance, soured by the injury to Dangerfield. Uh, they did throw their team around a little bit, which was interesting. Um, Stewart, uh, Blitzarves and Stewart swapped from wing to back. I found that quite uh, interesting tactically. It's not flexibility and is not really Chris Scott's go. Uh, Blitzarves can go wing, back and into the ruck. And even Jeremy Cameron was pushing right up into the midfield at times. So... There was, there was a little bit of, well, it couldn't have been experimentation because Port are going okay, but they're working on their flexibility and um, you couple with the good form of, uh, not no names, but the like, Close had a great game. 
Stengel had a great game. So they're little getting a little bit of value out of the money of, um, or not relying on the, you know, we haven't even mentioned Dangerfield, Selwood, these sort of blokes. It, uh, a lot to like about this one. And um, it gives me some really good hope for the Cats later on if they're developing like this. I, I gave Port a real chance, but um, only mainly because Geelong are capable of losing this game down here, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. look, I, I, I'm really struggling to make up my mind about yep. the Cats and, yep. and, when, and when they win, how good a win it is. And the, this was a more typical Geelong win when they really sort of closed down an opposition. You know, they're hard to play down there. We know it's a very narrow ground and you've got to be spot on with your disposal. And, um, you know, they force teams to go wide and then become inefficient. And that's clearly what they've been able to do uh, to the power as well. And I think that works to a point. I just have this nagging feeling in the back of my head that it, it's just going to come up short against the very best in the comp. And that occasionally when they try to open things up and be a bit more daring, they come unstuck doing that as they did against St Kilda the other week. So um, I, I think this is where Geelong are at. I, th I think they're certainly no doubt a, a top eight side and, and, and good enough to even perhaps be top four. I just don't think they're good enough to win it. But still, we're not even halfway to the end of the season. So um, a lot of water to go under the bridge yet. Interesting with Port's midfield, you know, Wines, 29 disposals, Houston, 30 disposals, both 25. All had plenty of it, but They've had a lot of wasted possession, haven't they? It looks like having uh, lost the contested ball count by 30, which is a considerable mm. amount. Um, again, that's probably a, a tribute to Geelong's capacity to defend, isn't it? I don't know. I, I look, if if you know Geelong were to come up against Melbourne right now, you wouldn't be tipping them, would you? Oh, absolutely not. You know, um, in a strange sort of way, you give Port a bit more of a chance. I don't know why. Uh, it'll be going to be interesting how they set up this uh, this uh, forward line in the coming weeks. Um, Essendon at home should give them four points. But to me, it'll be more... I will talk about this on Wednesday morning. But um, the Georgiades, Marshall, uh, Finlayson, Dixon. And I'm not being disrespectful, but it's just time to give Dixon a look into the forward line and they're not going to carry the four um but i'm suggesting um next week could be a, a really good look for charlie dixon yeah it will be interesting to see what they do at selection as you uh hinted at or mentioned uh the last game of next week says so port adelaide take on essendon at home 4 40 p.m eastern standard time Next Sunday, that one. And the Cats, uh, they are at the Cattery again against uh, Port Adelaide's fierce local rival, Adelaide. Uh, so the two South Australian teams getting a trip down to GMHBA Stadium in successive weeks. That game is another Saturday, 1.45pm start. Uh, that was one of two games, in fact, that were played on Saturday at 1.45pm. The other one was uh, up in Ballarat.
Mars Stadium in Ballarat was the venue for the second 145 game on Saturday afternoon. It was between the Western Bulldogs and Gold Coast, and it resulted in a 19-point win to the Doggies, but not without a fair bit of a struggle. Uh, a plucky Suns outfit keeping them honest at least. Uh, in the end, Bulldogs by 19 points. The final scores, 15-16, 106 Doggies, defeating Gold Coast, 13-9-87. The goal kickers for the victors, three to Norton, three to Bontempelli, two to McComb, two to McNeil, two to Williams, singles the rest. And for Gold Coast, five goals to Joel Jeffrey, son of uh, former Saint and uh, Bear, I think, Russell Jeffrey. Uh, five goals to him in just his sixth game of AFL footy. Really impressive. Three to Ben Ainsworth and singles the rest for the Suns. Well, Bulldogs with their noses in front for most of this game, but not by a lot. Uh, only by a bit over a kick at quarter time, seven points at half time, um, a couple of goals at three quarter time, and then probably the freest scoring quarter of this game, the last, and the Bulldogs adding 5 1, that uh, accuracy in the last quarter, pretty important. Uh, the Suns added 4 2 themselves, but weren't able to close the gap in the end. Uh, overall, the Dogs, 15-16, probably could have won by a little bit more. Some Bontempelli class really helped them out when it was needed, as it has so often. Uh, should be said, too, the Suns had some injury issues. Uh, Rory Thompson, who's only no. just, just come back from about four seasons on the sidelines, uh, he had to leave the field with a knee injury. Jai Farrah concussion. But they did just keep plugging away the Suns. And I think whilst they lost the game, certainly a defeat which lost them no friends in terms of uh, credibility and in terms of tangible improvement, I think, this season. Under Stuart Jew, what did you make of this one? Well, um, I had to look twice and, and went for the record book. But um, for those of us, uh, for the people listening, um, young Joel Jeffrey, originally from the the, Barwin, the Darwin Buffaloes in the Northern Territory Football League. His dad uh, is famous up there and played in some great Northern Ter NTFL wins. When Remember those games, Rowan, that used to be against Hawthorne and Essendon? Yeah, yeah. He was a significant player in the um, in the 88 Bicentennial Carnival yep. in a team which included... And his son was um, an academy pre-selection the Gold Coast Academy pre-selection in 2020. He's six foot four and he's 176 pound running in wet. So he's pretty skinny, but he's pretty talented. And as you said, up until then, he'd played four games and kicked two goals. Well, he certainly uh, made people go, as I did, where's this bloke come from? And there you have it. They were, uh, they were still a, a really... Oh. Um, decent winning chance very late in this game. In fact, uh, who was it? Malcolm Roses reduced a gap yeah. to just seven points, I think, with about two minutes left. It was on about the... that. Yeah. Yeah, they were 32 points down at one stage, and um, they guessed uh, this is a new this is a new Gold Coast. They've got a little bit of ticker about them. They've got some resilience. 
you know, you look at Bontempelli, he finished with three, but they had to move him forward. He kicked two goals. They lost their two defenders, as you said. Um, the Dogs did a good job with Norton. He looked really shaky during the week, and he was sensational. He got him off, and, and he was up against Sam Collins, who's been absolutely outstanding. But he took four contested marks. He kicked two goals, one in the first quarter, and he really set them going. So um, one, one of the most interesting stats was the Dogs had 160 handballs mm. to Gold Coast 81. Wow. I just read that. But the Dogs won the contested ball. So very rarely have Gold Coast been beaten in the contested ball. The, the Dogs won the clearances by 14. So their numbers were fantastic. They've gone to, what, five and five now, uh, just on the edge of the eight. And, um, I, yeah, look, I'm saying it's a big tick because they had to withstand this in-form, young and confident team. They did it on the back of um, on uh, on the move of Bontempelli to the goal square, and uh, he did the rest for them. So I'm, that to, that to pull out every all stops. Yeah, I'm I'm just wondering how well they are going. I mean, it's, they've cost. Oh, them... very accurate, inaccurate, Rowan. Let's of course, but anyway. Well, they've coughed and spluttered through much yeah. of the first half of the season. They're five and five. I just, I'm watching them. I mean, they were my premiership tip, but I, I'm just watching them and I, I'm not seeing a lot of polish about them at the moment. There doesn't seem to be a lot of cohesion, a lot of fluency. You know, I think when we see them play their best footy, there's a lot of that run and carry off the half-back line. I'm not seeing a lot of that. And that this game's a sort of good example of you, you look at it and the, the key players have done their bit. Bontempelli was important. McRae had 34 disposals. Bailey Smith had 34. Uh, Trelaw and his 200th, uh, 26 and a goal. You know, they won the clearances. They won the contested possession. And yet, you know, still not won by a lot against Gold Coast. You know, it's not sort of saying to me this is another uh, a side that is a potential grand finalist or premiership. No, team. but not, you know. Well, Long way I, to go. But I, I thought I just... the Gold Coast Suns could take them. And yeah, you did, and with, you did with, with reasonable confidence, based on the fact that um, they're sort of just going, and if they have a sort of just going season, they're going to miss the eight, aren't they? Yeah, and, I look, just... uh, they've got to get Bruce back. They've got to get English back. Um, they've got some key players out, so they're they're a real watch. Can I yeah. ask you the obvious question? What is? That. Well, you usually look at your notes and see that they're playing. Who are they playing who, who next they week? they got to back up against next week? Uh, well, both these sides uh, will be backing up against someone. That was a stupid pad. Of course <laughs> they are. Um, Gold Coast are indeed playing Hawthorne at uh, T.O. Stadium in Darwin. Darwin. Wow. Uh, so you're talking oh, about the Northern Territory, so that will uh, suit Joel Jeffrey. That game. The cake uh, of soap, the cake of soap comp uh, yeah, cup. Well, it's wow. uh, often like that uh, up there, isn't it? Night games, particularly seven forty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That game on Saturday evening. That's what the Suns have. Uh, the Bulldogs uh, won't be like that where they're going. They are off to Perth, and they play the Eagles at seven thirty p.m. Okay. Optus right Stadium. In Perth, uh, 5.30 p.m. local time. So, 
at this stage, well, you think the doggy's certainly going to uh, make it two wins in a row uh, with that one. And the Suns, well, that will be interesting to see how they measure up against the Hawks. Okay, so they were the two Saturday afternoon games. Let's talk about Saturday Twilight. Saturday, Twilight Marvel Stadium saw North Melbourne, the home side, up against the reigning AFL Premier, Nam. And if you're wondering where I'm going with that, well, it is Doug Nichols round. And Melbourne, uh, it's the Aboriginal name for Melbourne is Nam. So that is what Melbourne Football Club is officially for, I think, this week and next week. Anyway, it's good to see. Haven't some of those Indigenous jumpers been outstanding too? They've been great to look at. And I love the stories behind the creation of so many of them. Uh, Melbourne's and North Melbourne's were um, particularly good. So we had Nam taking on North Melbourne. Uh, as we uh, previewed this game, it had the potential to be very, very ugly. North Melbourne, you could get $21 uh, via Palmerbet on North Melbourne head-to-head. But they dug in and found something a bit more this week. In terms of effort, uh, they tracked okay for at least in the first two and a bit quarters of this game. In the end, um, Nam or the Demons putting it uh, to rest pretty efficiently in the last quarter when they added uh, four goals, three to just two behinds by the Roos. In fact, the Roos only adding two goals in the whole second half and uh, the margin in the end was 47 points. Probably could have been a bit more the inside 50 count. Oh, read that out. Unbelievable. Well, hang on. I'm just doing the goal kickers first. Uh, The the goals three to Zerha and uh, singles the rest for the Ruse and for Nam three to McDonald, three to Fritch, two to Pickett. Singles the rest. That inside 50 count, 34 the ruse. Not keeping you up there, am I, Rob? I can hear you. You are. You are Sunday night. Just remember, sensitive mics. Sensitive mics. Um, (laughs) The inside 50 count, 74 to the Demons, 34 to North Melbourne. Um, I guess it's all relative, though, isn't it? After how North's been going recently, I guess, relatively speaking, their fans would probably be a little bit more satisfied with the effort at least this week? Oh, absolutely. Um, The worrying signs are, look, hang on, let's look at the positives first. They really did open up North uh, uh, Nam at stages, Ron, because of their pace and their ball movement through the centre corridor. That was probably in phases the best they've moved the ball. So it looks like they're going to concentrate on the attacking phase of their game because obviously they couldn't defend still. They couldn't defend territory, so they had to rely on win the ball, use the ball. They got uh, a good response from Zerha, uh, from limited opportunities. But a 74 uh, inside 50s, I'm not being disrespectful. That That is an incredible amount of uh, ball going inside 50. They got to six points, 13-minute mark of the third quarter. Uh, they took the game on. And then, of course... Uh, as we've seen before in these type of games, uh, Nam, the Nam Demons uh, just flicked a switch and put a good gap before, and, it, and it's nearly stretched out again to 50 points. A disappointing last quarter for Melbourne, couldn't sustain it. Um, 
and but overall a tick uh, a regulation for melbourne probably below regulation and it was interesting that um after last week when we discussed the max gorn situation uh he played a majority of the game in the forward line allowing luke jackson to shoulder the burden in the ruck so that gave me an indication and they lost probably their don't fall off your chair when i say this their one i was going to say the most important player well he sort of is to their overall structure and how they want to play but they lost langdon early just threw him out a bit um a couple of individuals worth uh giving a bit of a shout out to luke davies uniac uh, he's really turning into a consistently good player for the Roos. He had 27 disposals and six clearances. Uh, Bailey Scott, 27 disposals. Uh, Luke McDonald, very steady across halfback, handed up with 31 disposals. Uh, also, we talked in our preview about um, the balance of power between these two sides. North had won 17 games in a row against Melbourne between uh, 2007 and I think 2017. Um, while the Roos now turning that around, I think that makes it four out of the last five for them. Also, incredibly, given that uh, Marvel Stadium now been in existence for, well, this is the 23rd season of it, the very first time that the Demons have ever beaten North uh, at Docklands under wow. the roof. Um, they've now played nine matches against each other at uh, Docklands and uh, the Roos have won every single one before that. Um, just another one for the Roos to Zerha. Uh, he had a pretty quiet start to his season, but he's come good, I think, and uh, pretty impressive in this game too. Three goals, um, a bit of uh, energy, a bit of physicality. Uh, that's the sort of stuff they need from their best players and their most senior players and their most capable players. They haven't been getting that uniformly from all their best players. So good to have Zerhar at least uh, back on deck and contributing to the cause. Uh, Nam, well, the Demons, you know, just got the job done, didn't they? And they're in that fortunate position of being able to play significantly below their best and uh, still come away with a pretty comfortable win. Um, I guess these are the sort of games, I mean, you know, without wanting to disrespect the opposition, these are the sorts of games where you can probably try things like resting Max Gorn up forward and having Luke Jackson do all the ruck work, right? No problem about that at all. It's a, what are we, round 10? It's yep. a long season. We're heading into winter. And... Uh... And I'm meaning no disrespect for North, but they're on the bottom or second bottom for a reason. And if you are confident that you can um, cruise through, you have every right to every right in this competition. If you've got um, a, a big pictures, things in mind to conserve the troops, get through with injury. You just don't want to, uh, the, the only danger is Rowan, you just don't want to play yourself out of form or yeah. play yourself into a rut. So um, uh, that's why I'm interested. Melbourne, are, oh, you, you you give the fixtures, please. This will, uh, this will tell. Okay, well, uh, the Demons have got Fremantle at the MCG Saturday mm. in twilight, 4.35pm. 
And the Roos, uh, they've got a tough one, um, again, at Marvel Stadium, but up against St Kilda. That is 1-10 on Sunday afternoon. Just a quick one to finish off on this, you were going to say? No, that's it for me. I thought you had a comment you wanted to give. No, no, I I was looking at what, what Melbourne may have been conserving their troops for, and it's Fremantle, but um, we'll be talking about that Collingwood-Fremantle game sh- in shortly. We certainly will. Okay, that Maybe was... Maybe they don't have to conserve themselves for anything. That was the Saturday Twilight game. Uh, two games on Saturday evening, one in Melbourne, one in Adelaide. The first game for discussion on Saturday evening was at Adelaide Oval. It was between the Crows and St Kilda. And in the end, it saw a 21-point victory to the Saints. And uh, the final scores here will tear everything you need to know about the importance of conversion. St Kilda, 14-6-90. Very accurate. Versus a very inaccurate Adelaide, 9 1569. Uh, the goal kickers six to Max King. Um, no problem with his conversion. In fact, six goals from six kicks, I'm pretty sure. Two to Membry, singles the rest for the Saints, for the Crows, two to Shane McAdam, two to Dawson, singles the rest. Well, three quarter time, Rob. Uh, it was the Crows. Nine points to the good, but that was nine behinds to the good. It was 6-13 to 6-4. And the Saints, big last quarter, got them over the line. They slammed on 8-2 for that final term uh, to three goals to the Crows. 21 points. The margin in the end, good win on the road in Brad Hill's 200th game. Oh, absolutely. And... and this is sort of coming of age games. Look, no steel to lift them at three quarter time and drag them over the line. They, uh, missing the effervescence of Higgins up forward to do something remarkable to get them in the game. So this was based on a relentless hard work. The Crows were right in it all day, as you said, six thirteen to six four at three quarter time, um, uh, playing well, midfield going well in the first quarter. There was a territory domination uh, through through their midfield, uh, 18 to 9 inside 50s in that first quarter. Uh, this was another game that uh, uh, you, you sort of thought, well, they're half a chance here. But um, uh, King King came to the, you know, had four at three quarter time, iced the game with another two in the last quarter, six set shots for six goals, Ryan. You've, um, you know, is uh, accuracy good football? Good kicking is good football. Did it come down to that? Gee, I tell you what, eight goals two in the last quarter of an AFL game. You don't see that very often, do you? Probably saw it today or last week, but it's a throwback to the old days where scores are level at three-quarter time and one of the teams will come out and and absolutely decimate the opposition. Um, well, they are, they are capable, the Saints, of turning on a burst like that, aren't they? And really, I mean, um, not dissimilar to uh, their third quarter against the Cats, um, the previous game, which they added, uh, I think it was seven. 
Oh, to to cover those players, especially Steele, their captain, is, um, you know, um, and Hill playing more midfield forward, 200th game. He was a very, very effective player for them. And, of course, uh, I tell you what, that young fellow, he keeps kicking three, keeps kicking two, McAdam. Yeah. He keeps bobbing up for, for Adelaide. I'm very impressed with him. Uh, they gave themselves every chance to win this game. They didn't kick accurately and they couldn't stop the run and the power. I'm really impressed with uh, Sinclair. Uh, he was excellent. Crouch against his old team. Hill was excellent. Um, halfback flanks in the All-Australian team. You'd have to give Sinclair a nomination for that. He's a... Uh, not an unsung hero because you know about him, but um, doesn't have the profile of others and he's just doing an excellent job off there in a very, very important position. Very, very similar to Daniel Richard uh, Brisbane, except he's quicker, probably runs more, and Daniel Richard's a better kick, even though this bloke can kick. So actually, there's no comparison between the two. <laughs> okay. um, there's no doubt Adelaide will uh, rue their uh, poor conversion, particularly in that first quarter, 1-5 to 2-1 at quarter time. And that was after they'd had 18-9 uh, to nine inside 50. So double the Saints for forward arc entries in that first quarter. Just couldn't put it on the board. Jordan Dawson has been uh, a really good pickup for him, yep. as he was always going to be. Uh, Brad Crouch, pretty strong too, 31-31. Disposals contested for him and Jack Sinclair, 32 disposals. Ben Keys also, uh, what a terrific pickup he's been for the Crows. So, look, you know, not to spare for Adelaide. I, I guess, you know, you'd be wanting to win these sorts of games. This one's one which might have been won, but for poor conversion. But competitive at least, uh, they're in the ball game. So, um you know, I, I think they're, they're going to make plenty of sides a bit panicky when they go to play them, particularly over in Adelaide. Yeah. From that point of view, uh, it's a pretty good win for the Saints. Where do you see the Crows at, just quickly? Um, I see them. Uh, I think we – I can't oh, – what did we say at the start of the year? Did they win seven last year? They won seven last year, yeah. And they've got four? Three? Uh, they have got at the moment three, yeah. Three, so they're just ab above that bottom group. Um, West Coast, Essendon, North, and up until today, GWS. They're just above that. Um, to find four wins out of the next uh, thirteen rounds, uh, I would hope so. They'd be very, very disappointed if they came in under budget this year. So I think we said eight, nine. Didn't think they could get double figures, but certainly eight or nine wins is uh, more than reasonable expectation of this team considering the way they're going, mate. Well, it's going to be a challenge for them to find a fourth next week because to do, well, to do so, they have to win down at Geelong uh, where their oh. record ain't too flash. But they are oh. playing the Cats at one forty-five on Saturday afternoon. And the Saints, as we mentioned before, they take on North Melbourne. Battle of the Marvel Stadium co-tenants, 1.10pm uh, next Sunday afternoon. But uh, another good win for the Saints uh, and coming after a good win over Geelong, really starting to build ahead of steam. The Saints fifth on the ladder 
and in fact level on points with fourth place. So uh, top four, double chance, uh, certainly starting to uh, appear quite achievable for St Kilda if they can keep this up over the back half of the season. That was the first of the Saturday night games and the second one was one of the big games on the AFL home and away calendar. Let's have a chat about it. The annual Dreamtime game, always a huge night on the AFL calendar, always getting a big crowd and uh, thus approved again on Saturday night. 70,226 people turning out to see Richmond's clash with Essendon. And in the end, a game won pretty emphatically by the Tigers, never in trouble, really. Uh, They led by 26 points at halftime. And in the end, won the game by 32 points. Final scores, Richmond 11-14-80, defeating the Bombers 7-6-48. The goals, four goals to Jack Rewald, two to Morris Rioli, two to Bolton, four Essendon, just the one multiple goal kicker. And that was the young boy, Hobbs, who had two few ramifications out of this injury-wise for the Tigers. Uh, Tom Lynch strained a hamstring. Kane Lambert, um, a bit of concern there. He's been struggling with hip issues, and that has flared up again. Both players already being ruled out of next week's clash with the Swans by coach Damien Hardwick. But uh, fair to say the Tigers are really working themselves back in to be able to have a crack at something meaningful in 2022. Four wins on end now. The Stars are back in harness. They're starting to play good footy. Um, they had seven goals on the board to Essence three by half time in this game. So their defence is getting stingy again. The hunger's there. Uh, speaking of hunger, Rob, I guess a lot of... Uh, Focus on Essendon's hunger levels, given that pathetic performance last week against Sydney. I guess maybe the line on Essendon this week is the effort was there. And uh, just to back that up, they only laid 30 tackles against Sydney in the whole game. They had 20 on the board in the first quarter this week. So the effort was okay. The execution, though, far less impressive. And uh, that's the other worry about this Essendon side. Uh, What are they trying to do? And how effectively are they able to do it? Not very would appear to be the answer to that question. Mate, we got uh, on Twitter, we, we, we got quite an interesting feedback about our Essendon thing. And um, it doesn't matter whether people agree with it or not, but we did get called a couple of sour old blokes. Oh, now, is that I right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, we did. But did we? um, <laughs> we're not going to change our tune because one of the great quotes that you said was, their performance is always conditional, Rowan. Mm. And to me, yeah, people saying, oh, wasn't the effort great? You know, we tackled. Well, look, I'm sorry to be um, not pessimistic. I'm sorry to be blunt, but that is the standard. That's just roll it out each week, not as a result of. Essendon are as a re- and as a result of team. Yeah, as yeah, a result well, of last week's disappointing. Yeah. We will come out and have see nah, – I'm not well, that, well, that happened in this one, and it happened after they put in a stinker against oh, Freo. They sorry, came I'm out and beat because, awful. Because you, you trademark, you talk trademark, you talk blue collar, 
you've got to be consistent in the application of effort. And and but it, in the isolated the game, they increase their tackles, they, their intensity and their capacity to even create some midfield turnovers was very encouraging. Just get beaten fair and square. Don't be beaten on effort. Um, oh, the other thing you miss, Rowan, that uh, Mason Redmond will also face the tribunal if he chooses to challenge a one-man, one-game um, one ban. Um, look, they brought in Tal- Big Nyan, is that his name? They dropped that kid, Rowan. We yeah. thought he had a terrific game. They brought back Tarrant. Was a, that was a bit of a tick for uh, Peter Wright. And uh, Tarrant held him goalless, but it wasn't all about Tarrant. Uh, Waterman was extremely disappointing for Essendon, and uh, that allowed Grimes to just zone off him and give Tarrant some great support. I don't think Wright is great in the night air, in the dark. Um, He's a big man. I don't think those conditions suit him. He's much better, obviously, at Marvel Stadium. But they had no no bolter, so it was always going to be interesting what they did with the right matchup, given they didn't have to worry about uh, Langford, Stringer, and Jones. They need those three back across half forward. Well, they certainly do, and um, I was going to I was going to point that out. The the lack of support for right, you know, it, it always makes his job hard. But you know what? Uh, without getting into a detailed discussion about this. Yeah, I thought Essendon's effort was okay. But what this loss said to me is it makes me look at that side and think, I don't know where this stuff about Essendon being so underperformed as a footy team is coming from because I actually don't think um, their even their best 22 is that great. I think there's some pretty borderline AFL players on that whole list, actually. And anyone who reckons that this is a great list of players that's somehow tragically underperforming, I think, is kidding themselves. I don't think the talent is there. Well, you look, yeah. Now, I'm not as far, I'm a little bit more optimistic, but there are, and hopefully we get these players back. But you never, we're talking about a list here, folks, not a team. Rowan's talking about the list of players that aren't good enough. And you could go through it. There's about 20 players unsigned. There was a list up. Oh, we're going into an editorial again, Ron. We shouldn't do that. The Riola, the, the Richmond were great because they've they've found a spot for Daniel, a consistent spot for Daniel Rioli. He's a terrific halfback flanker. The young Morris Jr. has come in and kicked a couple of goals. Baker's gone to the other halfback flank, which has allowed Short to go into the midfield, which means, Ron, that even when Graham's out, Dustin Martin can still float around the forward line and stand in the goal square for considerable amounts of time. This was a regulation, uh, rock-solid performance by Richmond against a side that came out and at least had a crack but were significantly lacking in class and um, system. Yep. No, I think that's an adequate summary. And starting to look ominous, the Tigers, they are still in eighth spot on the ladder, but uh, given the stumbles of others, uh, only a game now outside a top four spot. So uh, really looking to... Out of the top four? I thought you were going to say out of the eight. Out of the top four spot. Well, she's on now. Yeah. No, they're in the eight. They were in the eight last week. Yeah, they were eighth, weren't they? They were, and they are still eighth. 
but they are a game short of uh, the double chance. So got a whole half season to work themselves into a position of real strength for a serious crack at more September glory. That won't be the case for the Bombers, who are 16th on the ladder, 2-8, and eight, and incredibly disappointing follow-up by them to a finals appearance last year. They play Port Adelaide over in Adelaide, uh, which is the final game of round 11, 440. Rowan, sorry to butt in. Yeah. Just on that, can you look at that? Ladder in. Have you got the ladder in front of you? I have. Can I just finish reading what the fixture is for next week? Not at all. I'm butting in. You are. Because I'll forget what I was going. Go on, keep going. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Um, Essendon playing Port Adelaide at Adelaide right. Oval, 4.40 p.m. Sunday afternoon. And just before you go, Richmond, uh, big Friday night clash against Sydney, that one. At the SCG seven at the SCG SCG mm. seven fifty p.m. Okay, what are we going to say? Where's Port Adelaide on the ladder, please? And how Port many Adelaide, games and percentage out of the eight? Thank Port you. Adelaide on the ladder are eleventh, and uh, they are two games outside the eight. Something and plus percentage because of their start. Is uh, yeah, yeah, a little probably about five percent. Yep. Okay. So this is last roll of the dice for Port Adelaide, given the draw that we've uh, gone through. Pretty they, much. Yeah, this is it. So they face Essendon at home. And, um, yeah, okay. That's the only question I had. Right, All right. Okay, so a very efficient win to the Tigers. And that wrapped up Saturday's program. Let's talk about what happened on Sunday. GWS on Sunday being coached for the first time by Mark McVeigh, uh, who enlisted a couple of former Bomber teammates to help him in James Hurd and Dean Solomon. Uh, a few Bomber fans looking at that coaching crew and getting a little misty-eyed. How would they go? Well, helps if you're playing West Coast, given the state the Eagles are in at the moment. And a very comfortable and high-scoring win to the Giants in the finish by 52 points um, and a decent score tallied up in the process. The final scores, GWS 21-12-138, defeating West Coast 13-8-86. 14 goals on the board by half time for the Giants. A uh, bit of a holding mission after that, seven goals to eight. In the second half, all the damage well and truly done. Um, the goals for the Giants, three to Peatling, two to Bruin, two to DeBoer, two to Green without the E, two to Green with the E, two to Hogan, two to Sproul, singles, <laughs> the rest. We are laughing at? Green with the E, Green without the E, oh, okay. two to Hogan. How many did the Schultz? Yeah, Hogan and Schultz, yes. We, uh, Fanny and I got mileage out of that for years. Um, right, eh? Not today, though, because Hogan, of course, now plays the other side. And uh, for the Eagles, three to Winder, two to Cripps, two to Dixon, two to Waterman. But as I said, all over basically at half time, by which time the score was 14 3 to 5 4. Uh, 
both teams missing some stars. Some interesting moves made too. Harry Himmelberg being used in defence. Uh, Jared Brander spending more time forward in his third game for the Giants since being delisted by the Eagles, today's opponent. And uh, he was quite impressive. Obviously, wanted to prove a point or two to his old club. But uh, good start to Mark McVeigh's coaching career. Uh, never in trouble with Giants. And, um, well, 33 scores. Pretty reasonable tally racked up by today's standards, Rob. Yeah, and I think they, um, you spoke about it. They, uh, look, you told me last week they're not in the hunt anymore. They can't latch on. So, um, what are they looking at? Uh, obviously, the Himmelberg situation was very, very interesting. They found a good young player in Peatling. So, Mark McVeigh and um, James Hurd will continue to uh, look at um, look at some young players. Uh, they got good service out of their key players today they're probably in the in the, the in the isolation of the game 14 at half time look they're not going to kick 28 or 30 uh, but the west coast eagles were at least resilient and held it to a a, a pretty stock standard seven to eight second half and in fact the eagles kicked the last two uh, out of the last three goals to um, make it a little bit better but uh, they dominated the uh, GWS. They'd be happy that they dominated with the contested ball. They'd also be happy, regardless of the opposition run, it's an AFL game, they'd be also happy with the attacking that they did early to kick 14 goals. You know, up and down the line, up and down the line. Uh, I don't know what McVeigh's worked on during the week, but it looks like with that level of scoring that they've certainly wanted to be more attacking, switch the play, run more and they got great a, a great result out of that probably left the leaving the door open a little bit uh with the uh, with west coast eagles kicking 13 goals eight you got to um take your hat off to stephen canelio who you know he's had so many setbacks and it looked like he might just about have gone but uh he's been pretty good i reckon this year 36 disposals today and, um, you know, the, the cream rose to the top for the Giants. Josh Kelly, 29 disposals. Um, and some names putting them, younger names putting themselves forward too, like Pete Wing, who ended up with three goals. Uh, for the Eagles, well, Tim Kelly worked pretty hard, 23 disposals. Jack Redden had 20. Uh, Andrew Gaff made his return to the lineup. And, uh, yeah, fair to say, probably needed the run he finished with 19 disposals. But look, a good measure of where the Eagles are at. This is a a new low for them, really. Just one win oh, from yeah. the first 10 games. Uh, they've only been in this position once before, uh, 1989, when it took them until round 12 to win their second game. That was also the year, of course, they went out to Windy Hill and kicked Oh, I was about goal. to say, yeah, keep going. Is that what? the Windsock game? No, we, we've had no. this conversation before. Oh, no, sorry. the Windsock game, West Coast won by eight points and was a classic, and that was in a year they won 19 games. The game wow. I'm talking about, they only kicked one goal for the afternoon and got absolutely hammered, mm, and that was okay. under the coaching of John Todd. Uh, anyway, 89, the last All time right. things were looking this bleak for the Eagles. But Just a uh, quick question for you, Rowan. Yep. Is there a rebound factor in either of these teams for next year? Um, uh, no. 
Right, okay. <laughs> well, I reckon the Eagles the Eagles have got enormous list issues. And, They've got uh, age. They've got age, yeah. haven't they? Hearn, yep. Kennedy, Nat yep. Nui. Yep. Yeah, I'm not convinced what's bursting through is really all that no. good. Um, yeah. And the Giants, well, they're, they're okay. I mean, the, the foundations are there, but I don't think they're a drastically underperformed team or anything. I think they've got... Uh, They've probably got a bit of a class deficiency beyond their top five, four or five players. So I think uh, now both these sides are, could be struggling for a couple of years, but far more the Eagles. I think um, it's going to take them some time to get back into a position of strength, I think. Next week, uh, big challenge to the Giants. They go to the Gabba to take on Brisbane at the Gabbertoir. That is 1.45 p.m on the Saturday afternoon and the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles have got a home clash against the Western Bulldogs and that one is on Saturday evening. But uh, tough on both counts for the Giants and the Eagles. Uh, let's see if the Eagles indeed will get a second win this season because I don't think that's a given at this stage. Uh, that was the first of the Sunday games. Uh, talking about Brisbane, they were involved in the second. Down in Launceston, Sunday afternoon, we saw Hawthorne taking on Brisbane. And this game was a ripper. And, uh, wow, the scores are a bit of a blast from the past. Two teams both managing over 100 points and the Hawks prevailing. Again, over Brisbane, they have caused the Lions plenty of grief in the last couple of years. 18-9, uh, 117, defeating Brisbane 17-10, 112. The goal kickers for the victors, four to Lewis, three to Wingard, two to Butler, two to Moore, singles the rest, but a healthy collection of individual goal kickers there, no fewer than 11 for the Hawks and for Brisbane. Three to Cameron, three to Pryor, two to McCarthy, singles the rest. Indeed, they also had uh, plenty of individual goal kickers, 12 for the Lions. Still not enough, however, because the Hawks, they were fired up. Sam Mitchell had them playing some pretty enterprising attacking footy. Uh, Mitch Lewis, terrific up forward and after a bit of an injury issue, he's just resuming pretty much where he picked up early in the season. It was five goals to six at quarter time, 10 goals to nine at halftime, 13 goals each of two at three-quarter time. And in the last quarter, Hawthorne kicking five goals to Brisbane's seven. Really entertaining last quarter. Um, uh, the Hawks getting a break. The Lions picking it back. Mitch Lewis uh, appearing to make things pretty safe uh, for the Hawks when he put them 16 points up. But uh, back the Lions came. Payne got him within a goal with a bit under two minutes left. Dane Zorko kicked one to make it under a goal, but just three seconds left on the clock by then. So they were never going to get a goal that quickly from the last bounce. Really good win to the Hawks, though, and after uh, their form had appeared to tail off a bit, uh, perhaps this is the result that could really kickstart this season, Rob. Uh, 
and one of the most exciting players in the competition when he's fit and available is Jeff. And um, he led a back line that really set up this win because um, not only were the Brisbane forwards unable to cope with the pace and the run, it also allowed Brisbane to attack through the middle corridor and um, it really exposed this back line of Brisbane's uh, like Stasevich and Rich were good on flanks, but without Adams, they really had a good look. You know, Lewis has got uh, Mitch Lewis has got four, so their tall targets inside uh, fifty were very very good. The matchups on Neil was very very interesting. At times, uh, they went number eleven Connor Nash, the old campaigner, uh, Shield. He, he he had a go at them. Here they go on him, and of course uh, Wingard also started on in the centre bounce on Neil, and they didn't do a, a bad job. Uh, re, uh, they relied very, very heavily on their halfbacks to give them drive, um, particularly uh, and the other, uh, particularly Rich. That that was considerable. They uh, they didn't give up. They used a very good tactic of Frost, who started on the wing, and then he would drift into the back line to give them an extra number in the back line. So effective was that that they had to put uh, uh, Berry from the midfield onto the wing and then follow Frost so they could have an even matchup. I tell you, one guy turning into one of the stories of this season for me, John Newcomb, he's just a fantastic player for the Hawks. He's a really, really important player and terrific in this game. 27 disposals for him. Uh, Mitchell coming back off that uh, being managed for a week. Uh, pretty important today mm. with 36. Mitch Lewis, he's another big plus. He's having a great season. Chad Wingard, three. Um, Sicily, good work on Eric Hipwood. And uh, you mentioned Liam Shields. I think he came back and pretty much uh, kept Lockie Neal quiet in that last quarter, which was also really important. So but when the Hawks are on, I, I really like yeah. their their blend of experience and youth. And some of these kids that we didn't really know a lot about or, or, or place too much stock in are becoming really important players for the Hawks. So good on them. I like the way they're going about it. I like the brand of footy they're playing. Um, and uh, the other thing I didn't mention in this too was they actually slipped 22 points down about halfway through the third quarter. You do that against Brisbane, not too often you're going to get much of a look in. They were able to rest that advantage back and uh, come away with the points. So terrific win for them. And um, I guess a bit of a reminder to Brisbane that um, you've got to be completely on your game in every game these days. They were exposed for pace and run. Mm. They were exposed deep in their forward line. Uh, Can they compensate at home? Uh, Obviously, it's not as big a ground. The, the ground was in immaculate condition. It was a great day and um, they've burnt them. And as you said, they went down, Brisbane lifted and through McCarthy, Cameron, they uh, and also uh, a very, very promising player. I don't know whether I'm going to bring this up. Jackson Pryor, three goals, a beautiful left foot kick um, and the son of Michael. Paul Resson and, and, and Fremantle player Michael Pryor. Oh, uh, well, he played uh, nine games for West Coast or Fremantle. He played 81 for Essendon. Mm. So we've come up 19 short from a father-son. 
But it was very interesting. He um, he was available for us. He went, um, I think, at late 50s, Rowan, yeah. early 60s, in the 2000 and, oh, I don't know, 19 or 20 draft. Anyway, we didn't get him. He's a six foot four, left foot, um, big bodied mid. Yeah, he's got a he's got a really nice kick on him too. Oh, isn't and, it um, a beautiful left foot kick? Well, it doesn't surprise me overly because Michael Pryor, I remember, has been a pretty nice kick of the footy as well. Uh, but great win to the Hawks, the bottom line out of this game. Uh, they've got uh, an interesting, challenging clash next week up in Darwin. Uh, that one on Saturday evening against Gold Coast. So that <laughs> an interesting test for them. And Brisbane, I'll say they're going from Launceston at 7.2 degrees yeah. to 31 in Darwin. Yeah, that's certainly a climatic challenge for them. And the uh, National comp. Well, not a lot different from Brisbane. They are at home, of course, but Gabba, uh, pretty warm, you'd think, maybe this time of year. Uh, they will be playing GWS 1.45 p.m. Saturday afternoon. So good win to the Hawks. That left just one game in round 10, and that one was over in Perth. And round 10 concluded with a game at Optus Stadium in Perth between Fremantle and Collingwood. And uh, not much question. I think this probably the upset of the round, one of the upsets of the season, in fact, a really impressive 36-point win to the Magpies, who led pretty much from start to finish. The final scores, Collingwood 12-8-80, defeating the disappointing Dockers 6-8-44. The goals for the Pies, four to hen- Hound stop. It's just something, were you dragging something then? There's just like a real rumbling in my No, headphones. I wrote something on my book. No. That's there's something going on there. Don't worry. No, no. Sorry, I'll do it again. No, don't stop. Keep going, please. Okay. Three, two, one. And round 10 concluded with a game at Optus Stadium in Perth between Fremantle and Collingwood. And it produced one of the upsets of the season. Magnificent 36-point win to the Pies. The final scores, 12-8-80, defeating... Fremantle, a disappointing Docker outfit, 6-8-44. The goals for the Pies, four to Ollie Henry, three of them coming in a big last quarter, two to Ginevan, two to Hoskin Elliott, two to Majacek, singles the rest. And for Fremantle, just six individual goal kickers. Well, uh, two to each at the first break, the Pies, Starting to wrangle their way on top with a three-goal lead at halftime after holding a Dockers goalless in the second term. In fact, Freo, just three goals by the final change of this game when the Pies had increased their advantage to the best part of four goals. And then uh, things opening up a little in the last, but the Pies still more than matching the home side. 5-4 in the last quarter, Collingwood. Like I said, three of them coming to the very impressive Henry. Three goals coming to Frio. Really disappointing for them. They've had uh, a couple of ordinary weeks, the Dockers. And uh, for the Pies, well, got to be happy with this. They've um, come back to the field a bit since a decent early start to the season, but really found something today and really impressive win, Rob. 
Was it out of left field? Did we see it coming? We certainly didn't because Fremantle got some good players back into their side. And you thought going home against Collingwood that it would be uh, one of those we call a regulation win, Rowan. Uh, Collingwood have won this kicking 12-8-80. If you said that to me before the game, um, I would have said, oh, that's a brave effort. But Fremantle have kicked uh, 14-10 or something like that. But uh, to hold Fremantle to six goals, 8 44 outstanding performance this is the performance of the week make no doubt about this and um you've, you've alluded to some of the stats and young henry kicking four after having the um the, the shakes a week or so ago with his goal kicking um but i'm going to tell you how they do it and um i'm not interested in names or stats the first thing and you'll say well i told you this this raises real doubts on Fremantle's capacity to handle expectation and pressure. It's as simple as that. You didn't think they were as good as what they have been. I thought they were the one of the big improvers and deserved to be where they are. But this has opened a whole, a whole new can of worms. Um, the, and Collingwood did it by doing this. Their front pressure right they had 35 forward half intercepts mm -hmm. that's pushing down intercepting the ball right um they had 15 to 5 forward 50 tackles 15 tackles inside their forward 50 and they won the front half tackles that means draw a line across the middle of the ground they won that 40 to 27. this was a domination of a particular area of the ground, which was from the forward pocket to the middle of the ground. Once Collingwood got it in there, they pressed down. They uh, Fremantle could not extract the ball, move the ball through the Collingwood press and the pressure. And it is a wonderful example of um, how to do a front half, play a front half game. Get it in there. They had 88 tackles, right? 88 they had. Collingwood, and um, it's just a brilliant exhibition of um, of pressure, not around the ground, in the front half of the ground, and Fremantle were powerless to stop it. An outstanding plan by McRae, well carried out by his team. And uh, so far and away, their best win of a season. In fact, the only one I think which even comes close to it is their win over St Kilda in round one, and you know, strange things can happen in round one, so maybe a bit of an asterisk against that. And this, when you think about their performance last week, you know, they were made to look in a, a, a lesser league by the Western Bulldogs for much of last week's game, yeah. and they got comprehensively beaten by eight goals. This has sort of come from nowhere, and it, it's sort of in keeping with Collingwood of a few years ago. They did have a really handy knack of getting on the road and, and producing really great backs to the wall performances on the road. And this one sort of hails from those traditions, I think, but um, plenty of pluses there, isn't there? Seeing the the young guys, particularly uh, Ginevan, of course, giving his, uh, what do we say, usual amount of cheek um, when he uh, kicked a goal in that last quarter. Um, so look, Jeremy Howe taking another huge hanger. Good to see him doing that again. 
Um, Crisp, good. Taylor Adams, good. Lipinski, good. Braden Maynard, terrific in defence. So good players in all parts of the ground, which really makes a difference. Frio, well, look, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say I told you so, but I, I hadn't really seen them play what I thought was a full, you know, comprehensive sort of performance against anyone, really. It's sort of bits here and bits there. Uh, they're very, you know, they've been solid defensively, but they don't score heavily. It's just, a, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind. I need to see a bit more spark with them, I think. And that spark has certainly been lacking both in this game and uh, the previous week against and Gold Coast. So there's no problem with that. And um, well, the question half, to you, Rob, the question yep. to you is: Is this a a temporary glitch, or are they being found out a bit? Do you think? Oh, they're they're out of form. They've had a look at them. They set up brilliantly from the back line. They link so well with their midfield of Brayshaw. They've got this great capacity to, to, but they couldn't break through this zone. They couldn't break through the pressure. I, I can't speak highly enough of the exhibition, the combination of coaching, planning and execution. Yep, great win by great the Pies, no doubt, and uh, sets up Collingwood-Carlton. It's the MCG. It's Sunday afternoon. It's 3.20. And uh, both sides coming off really good wins. So uh, could be back to that old sort of Collingwood Carlton style. Oh, it'll be a huge crowd. We just need a we need a Bert Thornley type. <laughs> Bert we need Thornley. someone to be dragged off the ground controversially and a player brought onto the ground that's gonna change the course of history. And for anyone younger than sixty, he's talking Shut about up. the <laughs> 1970 grand final and Bert Thornley was replaced by Ted Hopkins, who came off the bench and kicked four goals. Useful footballer, Bert Thornley. Played a lot of state footy. Didn't have a good day that day. We'll get back to that. Uh, all right, Kyle right Carlton, 320 next Sunday afternoon. Fremantle, can they get themselves out of a hole? Well, uh, pretty tough ask because who are they playing next week, Rob? I don't know. Tell us. They're playing Nam. Wow. Over Nam, here. Otherwise known as Melbourne, um, 4.35 p.m. Saturday afternoon, and uh, wow, that was shaping as a potential huge clash a couple of weeks ago. Well, well that's why I thought clash. Melbourne were, were preparing for this game because it could have been first versus second, and I reckon Melbourne were preparing themselves for it. But uh, Rowan, have you got the green or the red crosses on the ladder in front of you? Sorry, question without note. What, what have they lost three in a row now, Freo? No, two in a row. Two in a uh, row. But, uh, obviously in danger of losing three in a row up against Melbourne, having lost to Gold Coast and now Collingwood. Right, uh, time will tell if they can pull out of it. That is it well, for round 10. No, we're not going yet. I'm doing the farewells. Thank right you on. once again to our wonderful sponsor, <laughs> Palmer Vet. I know we're all keen to uh, get some shut-eye, Rob. Uh, thanks to Palmer Vet, um, where you get tackle busting benefits all this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly, be it on politics or sport. Um, thanks to our wonderful audience. You can support us at the ACAST supporter page, wherever you are listening to this podcast, or head to the Footyology website and become an official Footyology patron from as little as $7 Australian per month via Patreon, a wonderful uh, supporter of independent publishing, writing, and journalism. Uh, wonderful ways in which you can continue to support our operation. 
thanks, Rob. Interesting weekend of footy, and uh, we'll be back not long from now, in fact. To can I ask a question before we go? Preview round. What's 11? the greatest achievement? Peter Daniels' hundred game with Essendon and his five premierships with North Launceston. Yep. Or his daughter Zoe, born in Tasmania, tipping out um, the liberal seating member. Uh, I think I would uh, have to go with the latter. I think Correct. Um, uh, tipping out Tim Wilson. Uh, she's in pushed Goldstone. Peter off the. She's pushed Peter. Pushed Peter off the podium. Well, uh, she's a, and she was a great uh, journo too, Zoe. When I say well, oh, she, she may be again, but now yeah. she is in Parliament and uh, prepared to make a difference and certainly on the important issue of climate change. And uh, Do well, it on your own. We'll do a political right. podcast some other time. But, uh, yeah, talented family, that one. Thanks, uh, thanks Rob. We'll see you, you back midweek for the Round 11 preview and that's where we'll catch up with you guys too. See you then. Yeah.